Yay. Well, you called it a small mini talk, so I changed it. Um, this is really a meandering um, kind of 15 minutes because uh, uh, Brian was uh, very kind to ask me if I would speak for 15 minutes yesterday. And um, 15 minutes is, is too short for me most of the time. Uh, but what I, what I wanted to do was actually kind of listen to what was going on here. I've been kind of snapping pictures back there and recording a little extra camera angle and, and in between trying to pick up as many of the, the recurring themes uh, that everyone's been, uh, been, been touching on today. Uh, so I'm, my background, again, is, is design. Started in print uh, over 20 years ago. Um, went through brand in the very early days of, of digital. And, um, and so in, in some ways, I've, I've seen the web develop. And I've, I've almost developed along with it. So I started playing with the web for the very first time when I was uh, about 16, I think. And it was very, very early days where you couldn't actually, there weren't really search engines. You had to go on kind of Usenet to find IP addresses that would point to interesting things. And then you would, you would find websites that way. And I, um, I remember thinking that was awfully cool. Um, I, I loved the potential of the web from the very beginning. And I feel very lucky that I was able to get into designing and building things, at least on the front end, and uh, for the web, and spent a lot of my time as a designer working in, in things that were digital. As a result, though, because I didn't start in things that were digital, I started in things that were tangible and tactile, I, I realized almost a little too late that I was missing the tactile, that all these things that were virtual, that were two-dimensional and flat, and had no texture, nothing that you could touch, nothing that you could hold on to was actually bugging me in, in a similar way that, uh, that many people when they spend too much time in the city and they haven't been in nature start to feel out of balance. And I was feeling out of balance that all the things I was making didn't actually exist in a certain way. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that not to say that nothing exists that's, that's virtual. I love all of it. But this was something that was a nagging feeling to me. I wasn't making anything that was printed out anymore other than than incidental deliverables uh, before sending a PDF. Um, you know, it was one of those kind of situations. And so what I tried to do initially, and I was getting to do work for, for uh, big companies and small companies um, with my little consultancy around with my brother, and I tried to introduce texture. I tried uh, to do it in a way that uh, wasn't just me kind of introducing the idea of texture, the idea of kind of faking a tactile response, at least here. But, um, and, I, and I tried to also teach people about it. So like, eight to 10 years ago, I was starting to speak at conferences and trying to kind of hammer this home that we, we need to do this. This needs to be a thing, which was kind of true and kind of wasn't. It is, uh, we all kind of, a lot of people in the design world kind of rejected that after a little while uh, where Apple was trying to do too much skeuomorphism. And I mean, that's essentially what it is, trying to, to, to mimic and imitate the real world. But there was something in there that was satis more satisfying to me than not doing it. And progressively, in, uh, about like five, six years ago, uh, I was, uh, yeah, it's, it's that long already. Um, I, I was starting to do work that was less about building uh, products for clients, and I was starting to consult more. And uh, one of the, the uh, positions that I got to consult as, as an embedded position was creative director for Moo. Anyone have Moo cards here? It's always still good. It's a feeling of pride. I didn't invent them, but um, I spent a year there, and it was a fun year. And 
one of the things that attracted me to working more with, with companies like this, instead of just kind of building products and websites and things that were just virtual, just flat, was that I had the opportunity to do things that I hadn't done in 10, 15 years, and also take all of my experience in digital to a, a company like Moo especially. It was a lot of fun. And I found myself running into similar kind of problems though. They made a physical product, but unless you'd held that physical product in your hand, you didn't actually know how good it was. And one of the problems that I wanted to address with them and got me excited about working there was that there was this opportunity I saw to, to, to bridge that particular gap. Here's a, here's a thing that we can only show on a flat screen without texture, but these products are higher quality than what you could get from many other digital on-demand printers, and everyone who holds them knows it, but no, anyone who hasn't touched them doesn't get it. How do you communicate that to someone without just pushing sample packs on everyone or giving away free cards, which Moo did really, really well for that reason. And shortly after I, I joined the team, we launched uh, the, the, a new product, which didn't happen that often at Moo. It was Lux. And I'm showing this particular shot of it because for, for a few reasons. Uh, has anyone seen the Lux cards? They're these really thick cards. They're kind of, they look like triplex. They're actually quadplex. This is really, really neat, like four sheets of paper squished together to make these really thick cards with a color seam in the middle. And they had a fantastic texture to them. Really, really high quality Mohawk superfine paper on the outside, which if you touched it, it was amazing. But to show the texture of these cards, you needed to use macro photography, which you know, you're getting so close that you can't actually see the product and that defeats the purpose. And it didn't really feel that that worked very well. So what, uh, what we decided to do, my direction was to actually use textured like, items that had weight, like this sheet of slate, which you don't recognize until I point it out to you, but that box is sitting on a piece of slate and it's a really, really weird thing to go shopping around to roofing tile companies and asking for one tile. They look at you very, very strange, but that was, we, my, my, a couple of my designers and I had fun running around London doing that. Um, and this, was, this is the kind of experiment. It's a one, an example because it was, it, it was a, a, a definitely a, an example that was out in public and it did, it did seem to achieve the end result that people, by adding weight and texture that weren't fake, that was actually real in, through photography, um, to a product that you can't actually show the texture of the actual thing, it was, it was a way of conveying um, the, the texture and the weight and the quality that was in the actual item. And this is a common practice in a lot of uh, the advertising world, and especially with, with product photography. But it was interesting that a company like Moo had only ever used renderings of their cards online. They'd never actually used product photography, let alone tried to, tried to communicate using, a, uh, using that aspect of psychology to kind of uh, visually imply the quality of their product. And along the same timeline, I was starting to, to look for ways that I could get away from two-dimensionality, from, from the screen, and do things that, that connected me more with the outside world as well. You spend enough time, as I'm sure a lot of us are aware, you spend enough time sitting in a dark room uh, staring at a screen, and, and doing anything but that is really, really appealing, no matter how much you love doing it. For me, that was photography. It started out as something that um, I had never touched as a visual creative, and as some, I've been a musician and I've, uh, my entire life and a designer since I was in my teens. For some reason, I'd never connected with photography. And about nine years ago now, so pretty late in my life compared to a lot of people, I discovered photography. And one of the things that, uh, that appealed to me instantly was this aspect of, because I discovered it through film photography. 
in a bit of a roundabout way, which I'll come back to. But one of the things that I love about uh, film photography is that it is inherently tactile. You are creating a physical thing. You're, I mean, you, obviously, photography in itself is tactile in a lot of ways. And even if you're using a touchscreen, you're holding a thing, you're making a thing with your hands, and it's a little bit more connected. But the more toward the analog that you get, the more physical it becomes. And I started to get addicted to this because it's not just you're, that you're creating something that, that, uh, through a chemical process of light interacting with a light-sensitive uh, uh, you know, um, sheet, but then you can also print these, you, know, you can take this negative and you can print it and it's, it hasn't had anything to do with digital at all. And you're, you've created another artifact, another item, um, and you've done it with your hands, uh, even though now I just pay other people to do it. There's still something that, that I found very, very, very nice about that, and I still kind of dig for for the interesting overlaps between digital and physical in this way. Because even when you're scanning, you're digitizing a negative, there's this interesting range of of things because it's a physical item that's interacting with the camera and the sensor and a light on a scanner. You can get things like, the, this is a, um, an, an example that might not mean anything to you, but these are two different scanners of the same negative. Like one, a standard scan that you might have at a, uh, you know, a, a Boots or a Snappy Snaps if you're in, from England or any kind of corner like lab, basic lab, will get a scan like this from a negative that a high-end drum scan that you'll only get at a pro lab will get all of this detail that doesn't even appear. It's not even apparent because in the physical item, there's so much more potential, shall we say, than a lot of the digital, like basic digital scanner is capable of picking up. And it's this interesting thing that I'm still kind of pushing around the edges uh, to feel out how that can fold back into, into purely digital things. But it's, it's, it shows that there's a, for me, the, the most interesting work that can be done is a hybrid. There's so many interesting things that the web can do. But the first thing when I was 16 and was, and was discovering the web, the thing that, um, that sold me on it immediately was the idea that from my home in Fort Lauderdale, where I hadn't really traveled that much, I was born in Miami, which sounds exotic, but it isn't, it's your hometown, it's kind of boring, a lot of concrete, um, and then a beach. Uh, it allowed me to travel. It allowed me to travel uh, when I couldn't, I was in my teens, I had no money to fly anywhere. Um, all I knew was really Florida and the occasional visits to, to England to visit my mom's family, which was exciting, but it wasn't really travel, travel. And, and that's what the web has always meant, is a connection through the digital to the physical somewhere else. And I think we see that that appeal exists in general for everyone through things like the popularity of, of Instagram and just photo sharing in general. Right? It, it, what, is, what is it that the digital, that the baseline of the internet and the web is allowing people to do? It's allowing people from one place to see another place. It's folding time and space uh, together on top of each other. And so those, those, those combinations, the hybrid for me, is always the most interesting. If we invent something that's purely digital, it only exists in a digital space, that's less interesting to me than when we can actually go a little bit further and connect the people who are, if you draw the Venn diagram of the web and everything that, that well, everything that humans make, the one thing that is always gonna be constant is people. And I think that ends up getting forgotten a lot of the time. And we are tactile beings. We want to feel and touch and see, and we're happier when we do that. So pulling back to, to my photographic experience and how, what this started to make me think about with products and 
specifically with photography, is that what got me interested in photography, what really changed my view on it, were not all the digital cameras that I'd owned in my like, mid-late 20s, which I had. I ran a small little digital agency. I could afford to buy a Sony Cybershot and play around with it. I never made anything worth showing to anyone, and I never felt like I was a photographer. Nine years ago, I picked up one of these, a Polaroid SX70, which is older than me by a good five years. And I picked it up because it, was an, it had been announced by Polaroid that they were discontinuing their film. And I thought, it was a big fear of missing out. That's all it was. I thought, hmm, I know a few people who are also doing this. I'm going to buy a couple of packs. This thing is a beautiful thing. I'd never seen it before. It folds. It opens and closes. It's magical. Um, I'm just going to leave it on my shelf after I've shot a couple of packs. And then I can tell my grandkids that I did it. And the first images that came out of this, going from having never taken a picture that I thought was anything worth showing to another human before, the first images, these are some of the first images from the first few packs that I shot. And I happened to be uh, in, in London that, that summer. And I loved all of them. I enjoyed every single one of them. I mean, there might have been one or two, but my, my hit rate went from zero to like 90% instantly. And as a product designer, that fascinated me because I was immediately thinking, what is it about this, this that changed everything immediately for me? What, what, what is it about this camera and this film that made me a photographer? <laughs> Where, you know, it's still a lens, it's still light. You know, what has changed? And what I realized was that it was the, it was the tactile nature and it was the, also the speed, the immediacy of having something that I could hold, which we all kind of feel, but it wasn't just the act of taking the picture. It was the, the fact that you took the picture and something happened, something that you could see, something you could look at, something you could hold, and something was precious. You knew that you were creating an original. Because each of these, even better than a negative, this is a, it's a positive, it's a final image. And they all have their own kind of variation. Um, and I'm not here really to show pictures. I just, I, if it weren't for this, I wouldn't have kind of diverted into a secondary um, uh, line of work. And now, I mean, I've, I've managed to be very lucky and gain a reputation as a photographer. Um, a lot of that is just because I'm an early adopter. I was an early adopter of Twitter, thanks mostly to Mr. Keith. Um, you know, Orlando, 2006, you changed a lot of people's lives by showing, you, showing everyone what you were SMSing. Um, and uh, if I hadn't been on Twitter, I wouldn't have been invited to Instagram. And that's a longer story that there's way, way too little time for today. But but the only reason I was on Instagram and playing around with it was because a few years before, I'd played around with, with this instant film and was starting to understand that there was a very different relationship to, to the world, to the things I saw, than what I'd been stuck in. And so that, um, I said this was meandering talk because there's been so much fantastic stuff here today. The, the folks from you know, from the, from the very beginning with Justin and Hannah with Solid Wool, um, and I've known them for a few years, um, every, every talk has been in some way related for me to this, this crossover between the physical world and the virtual world. You know, even to the, to the last talk on meditation, like what is that connection that the VR gives us? It's a connection to the real world, and, and most likely to the part of the real world that we don't, that most people don't have access to. And again, that's, that's where I think most of the interesting things happen, is when we can bridge those gaps. And 
before uh, I hand this back to Brian and hand over to Tommy, which is going to be also very, very interesting, uh, and there's a nice Polaroid tie-in there, obviously. Um, the, the thought that I want to leave with you and I guess plant in your heads, this is what I was thinking about all day. What, what, can, I, what can I plant in everyone's head? Is that if we're thinking about the, the idea of the web as a material, the web as a thing, well, let's actually, let's abstract that. I like abstracting. I would make a bad programmer. It's like not a good, every programmer wants to abstract everything. But I think as a, th as a thought process, it's really nice to, to take yourself one step back from the th from the thing you're talking about, so you can actually understand the relationships a bit better without your prejudices. And this came up over lunch. I was mentioning something to Justin and Hannah, actually, about um, the product. I said product referring to solid wool. And, uh, and the response initially was, you said, you know, the, the output, the actual chairs and the, the, the physical form that that product took. But for me, like, I abstract solid wool to being, it's just, it's the core thing. Whatever you can make with it, those are products, but that is not the product. With the web, the web ha can do, can be anything, right? It's a, it's, it's just a base layer, and, and, it's, and it's on top of another base layer, which is the internet. And how it all works is magical, and I, I built DNS servers one, one day long, long, long time ago, so I do understand it, but actually I'm happier when I just don't think about it and I allow it to be the magical, wonderful thing that it is. And if you're going to bend and break and twist anything, virtual or physical, there's a, an interesting combination that we have to allow ourselves of understanding it very, very deeply, which is one of the themes that Brian and Yoshi kind of had around this event, is that you have to understand something deeply and innately before you can, you can uh, uh, turn it on its head. Much like uh, the work of Dali, which I love, and his surrealism, comes after all his hyper-realism work that just looks photographic in some ways. And he couldn't have done the surrealism until he understood the, the realism before that. Looking at the web and physical objects and the connections of the humans that are in between them, I just want to leave you with this, this thought, this whatever you're going to end up doing, try and constantly question that connection and that connection with the humans. You know, don't, get, don't fall into the trap of uh, a lot of people who work with Internet of Things items where the conversations become so much about the things talking to each other that I read a lot of articles and essays about this stuff and see a few talks and no one's talking about the people anymore. <laughs> and I think that the most interesting future that we're going to have, at least in this near future, when we're building things and products and services for people is by remembering that we are tactile beings and that whether that tactile interaction that we have with a thing is real or it's something that's just placed in our mind that references all of the experiences, all of the affordances we're used to interacting with, triggering that creates a deeper experience than doing something that, that keeps us, our humanity, at a distance. And I'll leave you with that, because I'm really interested in what our last speaker has to say as well. Uh, but uh, hope, I hope that planted a seed, and thank you for uh, encouraging my behavior. Cheers. Thank you.